Welcome to Our Wee Podcast with Susie Briggs and Alan McClure. In this episode, Tabby Twa Puddins, Fox and Todd, The Goose Swa Laid the Golden Egg, The Matter with the Water, and The Perjink Sign. See what you think of this lot, folks. The Goose That Laid a Golden Egg Once upon a time there was a poor farmer who had a farm with some geese. He and his wife would feed them and the geese would lay eggs. The farmer's wife would tuck the eggs to the market and she would sell them for money. They weren't rich but they got by just fine. The farmer and his wife had a wee house to bide in enough to eat and keep warm on the colder days. Yendi, the farmer, noticed that he had a goose that wasn't laying eggs like it used to do. The goose would eat and eat and eat, but it hadn't laid good eggs for selling for weeks. The farmer was about gain up on this goose, but when he went to collect the eggs, he noticed that she was sitting on yin, big, shiny egg. The farmer looked at it. A yelly egg, he thought to himself. Then the farmer carefully picked up the egg to look at it more closely. He held it up to the licht where it glinted and shimmered in the early morning sunlight. Mech to me! It's no yelly at all! It's made of goud! He shouted for his wife to come see. Morag! Morag! Would you look at this? It's a golden egg! His wife near fainted. She'd never seen such a fine-looking thing. What will we do with it? Is it solid goud? she asked. The farmer dunted the golden egg gently on the stained dike and it didn't crack or nothing. I think it is solid, Morag. We are rich! We need to see if that goose lays another yin and we better make sure she's protected for thieves and tods. So they set about mucking the goose a safe place to bide. Then Morag, the farmer's wife, headed up the road to the big toon to see if she could get a fine price for the golden egg. Every day the goose would lay a golden egg and it would be sold and soon the farmer and his wife became richer and richer. They had mere money coming in now that they started fixing things around the wee house and buying in delicious treats to eat. Weeks and months went by and every day the goose would lay a golden egg for them to sell. The money was soon piling in. The farmer and his wife bought mere things to fancy up the place and they started wearing fantouche clays too. They employed poorer folk for the tune to help about the farm and paid them and the farmer and his wife never needed to lift a finger. And every single day the bonny wee goose laid yin golden egg. The farmer and his wife started to get a bit greedy and impatient with the goose. They wanted her to lay more than just one golden egg a day. They would gan and collect the egg and tut and huff about the goose. Why does she just lay one golden egg? Just one golden egg? Why not two or three golden eggs a day? 
huffed the farmer. His wife would gurn, I ken. We would be far richer if the goose would lay mair than one egg a day. I wish there was some kind of way of getting all them gowden eggs out her all at once. Then we would be really rich. Just then the farmer had a broad idea, or so he thought. He decided he would see how many gowden eggs were hidden inside the goose. The only way to do that was to herm the goose and cut open her belly to look. Oh, what a fool! Of course there was na only gowden eggs inside her belly. The special goose that gifted them a gowden egg every day was just like an ordinary goose inside. What a stupid and selfish thing to do. I knew the pair of them had a deed goose and nae mere gowden eggs to look forward to. It wasn't long before all the riches for the farm started to whittle wah, and eventually the hoose wasn't as fantouchin per drink as it was afore. They had to sell all the fancy things to get by and pay off the workers. In the end, it was just the farmer and his wife left, with the same old hoose that they had afore, and the same ordinary geese with ordinary eggs to sell and get by on. It just gans to show that muckle greed always leads to muckle loss. What's the matter with the water? The well in the middle of the village of Skerrils was like the social media of its day. This was a while back lang sign when nobody had run in water in their houses, so if you wanted a wash or a wee cup of tea, you'd take you patiently at the well with your bucket in your hand. Of course, you'd I bump into a few neighbours there, and it was the best place to catch up on all the goss. What had been where, what the fishing had been like, was there a cold snap coming, that kind of thing. And because the well was a bonny thing, good grey stain with a wee slate roof, and because it provided lovely fresh water that abbey needed, the chat was usually cheery, and there was no need for bickering or unhappiness. Yin morning, wee Josie was up with the sun, and a wad into the well weir bucket. It was a broad day, birds sang echoing through the woods on the hillside, and she was keen to get the day underway. She had a hike planned, half up into the high hills, but she had to get the water for the house afore she went. There were a few folk waiting ahead of her. Mrs McNulty was there, and Rory fedoon the road, and a couple of others, and good fettle, and wishing each other good morning. Josie waited her turn, blethering a while with the rest of them, till she got to the well and dunked in her bucket. She did notice something odd, though. Even though it hadn't rained for days, there were big muddy dubs around the base of the well. To be honest, it looked an half a state. Hmm, thought Josie. Somebody's been half a careless fill in their buckets today. But she thought no mere about it, as she heaved her bucket out and carried it sloshing and splashing back to the house. Good lass, said her father, tacking some water up the stairs for a shave. 
Thanks, Josie, said her mother, filling the kettle for some tea. Nay bother, said Josie, filling her canteen, making herself a piece for her walk, and heading out the door, whistling. Well, the work was going grand. She was heading up the path to the mountain ridge, and was feeling full energy. It was hot work, mind. The sun was blazing down out to a clear blue sky, and she had to glug out her canteen mare than yints as she climbed. Half in the distance the sea was skinkling, and she could see the mountain's stony ridge shimmering in a heat haze above her. But oh, dearie me! A couple of miles into the walk, she started feeling a wee bit peely-wally. Her belly began to gurgle in a most unsettling way, and she had the awful feeling that she might be about to balk. Oh, Crivens, she said to herself, oh, I think the game's a bogey. Ah, can he climb the mountain feeling like this? Clutching her guts and moaning wafully, she staggered back downhill towards the village. Well, when she got there, she was met with a fearful sicht. Thought were hanging out the windies with green faces, groaning on the grun, dashing for their cludges with tears running down their cheeks. Michty me, thought Josie, what on earth's gone on? That was when her mammy spied her for you at the kitchen windy. Oh, Josie lass, she said, you and all, hi. Oh, the hill villagers come down with a lurgy. We think there's something the matter with the water. A village meeting was quickly called, and Abbey that was able hurpled along to the hall, dichting their sweaty brows and clutching their tums. Josie, while was feeling a wee bit better after eating an apple, went along to hear the crack. She kent Abbey in the hall, of course, friends and neighbours for way back. Ah, that is, except for an unca ugsome chill who sat richt at the front. There was something dunricht oury about him. He'd a friendly enough face, but his body was like a midden, a great shapeless heap o' glor and stour. The weirdest thing about him, though, was that nobody else seemed to notice och strange about him. Eh, friends, said old Mr. Patterson, the school Jenny, we've enough a guddle to get where heads run. Our water is makin' us seek. There was a wee murmur of agreement for the gathered crowd, along with a few embarrassed hiccups and burps. Now, he went on, my new pal here has offered to help us figure it out. Will you please welcome... Oh, sorry, what's your name again? At this, the weird creature shuffled off its chair with a squelch and turned a big ingratiating grin on the room. Mr. Sturyman, at your service, it wheezed. Oh, my friends, I'm so very sorry to hear of your troubles. It wrung its hands with a sound like someone squeezing out a chamois leather. Josie looked around, waiting for someone to ask the thing why it thought it was. But there was some weird glamoury on Abadi, and they were all tacking careful tent to what Athen it said. I fear, Mr. Sturyman went on, that there can only be one explanation. Someone in this room has polluted the well. There was a gasp and a few groans, and folks stared at eyeing each other suspiciously. 
Josie was about to lop off her seat and shout, Havers, when Mrs McNulty beat her to it. Hang on a minty, said the old lady. Nobody here would do that. And why are you to be making accusations? Ah, thank goodness, thought Josie. I'm no the only one who thinks this is wrong. At Mrs McNulty's words, it seemed a fair few folks shuggled themselves out their dwams and there were nods of agreement. But Mr Sturyman, still smiling, oozed his way over to Mrs McNulty like a slug across a lettuce leaf. He put one glory hand on her shoulder and said, Oh, tell me, friends, who is most likely to object to what I've told you? Why, the person who polluted the well. He removed his hand, leaving a big mucky mark on her shoulder, and at once Abadie was back in his thrall, shouting at Mrs McNulty, hustling her out the hall, and, I'm sorry to say, sending her packing. Mr Sturyman looked guy pleased with his cell. Josie felt seeker than ever. That's that, said the sickening figure, and Abadie shuffled off him. Next day, though, they soon found that the problem wasn't solved. Another bonny, sunny day looked set to be ruined as folk continued to fall ill after drinking the water for the well. Cramps and pains, skitters and sweats, the village was in an affa state. Another meeting was called, and there at the front was the hideous figure of Mr Sturyman. Here, said Mr Patterson once Abbey had taken their seats, I thought you said uh, this was Mrs McNulty's fault, but we sent her away yesterday and we're still suffering. Mr Sturyman, we as usual unctuous grin, blobbed and slithered over to Mr Patterson. You wouldn't be questioning me, would you? He asked, laying a filthy paw on the poor man's shooter. That's going to look very suspicious to the rest of the village. Sure enough, as if in a trance, half the village dragged their weary banes off their chairs, gathered round Mr Patterson, and heaved him out. Josie, while was sat at the back, watched her this in bumbazelment. It was clearly our rang, but even if she'd had the nerve to say so, she would say washed out, she had neither strength. She dragged herself home after the meeting and went straight to her scratcher. There was a bleary trouble hanging out Athen, and she was as struck with it as anybody else. I'm sorry to say that the next day wasn't only better, nor the day after that. Each day the tune would banish some poor buddy on the say-so of Mr Sturyman, and each day the water was as foul as the day afore. Josie was hearing nightmares about that grinning, false face, but she was so weak for days of ill health that she couldn't think what to do. Then came the day when her ain dear mother stood up in a village meeting and asked, How come the water still rank when we've chased all these polluters away? Josie sat frozen in horror as the weird and bloated figure of Mr Sturyman scooshed across the flare and laid a horn on her mammy's shooter. I think we've found the culprit, friends, he said with an oily grin. Josie couldn't watch 
as the villagers gathered round her mum like a group of zombies. She fled for the hall and ran to the well, tears streaming down her cheeks. Well, that was when she noticed that the strange mucky dubs she'd seen when all this began were still there. In fact, they were worse than ever. Now they didn't just look like someone's careless mess, they looked like the kind of sloppy glory you'd get when someone was clambering in and out the well. She found a wee nook a few yards away and curried in tight. It was time someone got to the bottom of this. It wasn't lying afore she heard a noise that made her blood run cold. As everybody else had staggered him, Mr. Sturyman was making his way to the well. Slither, slither. <laughs> Josie watched in horror as the mysterious stranger placed his mucky hands on the side of the well and heaved his great mocket bulk out of the edge and into the water. We a bubble and a gurgle, he sank out of sight, humming a merry wee tune as he went. Oh, Jings, she cried, well a day. Nay, one of folk are sick with that scunner guddling about in the water, and here's him making abody else feel guilty and suspicious. Just then she felt a wee tap on her back. She spun run to see a shimmery, glistening figure smiling down at her. Hello, said the figure. I am things of water. I'm looking for a runaway. A bog brownie was abandoned his mire. Josie gazed in wonder at the figure as it sparkled before her. A hint it were a wheen o puddocks, leeches, esks and water hens all looking fair doon hurt it. The beasties o' the bog are feeling quite abandoned, things of water continued. It's not the bonniest creature in the world, this bog brownie, but they love it. Have you seen it? Well, you can imagine what happened next. Josie pointed at the well we had trembling horn and things of water stepped out. It kicked it down into the well, nodded yints, reached in and hauled out Mr. Sturyman by the scruff o' his neck. That's enough of that, I think, said things of water and with a friendly nod to Josie, it headed aft towards the woods, dragging the ugsome beast ahint it, gurgling and complaining all the way. Afore the strange procession disappeared, things of water raised a hand and clicked its fingers, and a shower of fresh, sweet rain swept out the sky. As it fell about the well, Josie could see the water inside, clearing, and she kent it was sweet and fine yint's mare. Abadie was relieved, of course. Josie's ma, Mr. Patterson and all the rest could all come back home, and yince again the well was a braw place for a blether and a catch-up. But one thing nobody much wanted to talk about was how easily they'd been turned against each other. I mean, to be honest, if some friendly-faced bogle tricked you into turning on your neighbours, would you really want to think about how easily you'd been fooled?
it's time for Scottify, in which Susie challenges Alan to write a song about a Scots word. Hello, Alan. Happy New Year. Oh, Happy New Year to you too, Susie. How's it going? We've got a brand new Scottify word for you. Oh, exciting. Tell me what it is. The Scottify challenge this month is... Per jink. Out in Jeannie's garden, one misty twisty day, the birdies are were gathering for a feed. Jeannie was a kindness, so oh, I'd treat her feathered friends. Seeds and nuts and lumps of mouldy breed. The stuckies and the spiaks were there, the peats and the doos. They gobble all the goodies for the grass. Can on a chaffy twittered to her vaunty looking mate. There's chances far to get to let it pass. Mr. Chaffee checked it out and gave a buckle sniff. A little bit beneath me, I would say. But she was hey an idiot, your chicks are needin' fed. Say swally down your pride and on your way. Well, Affy went and landed on the bird bath for a look. When oh, a bonny sick came to his in. His skinkling reflection in the water made him gasp. Why, that's the finest thing I've ever seen! Oh, don't you think? I'm just purging. I am the brawest, bonniest bird who ever step it for a drink. The grace and style would make you smile. I'm going to stop here and admire it for a while. Mr. Chaffee preened his cell, the feast went on below. The stuckies filled their bellies with a will. The blue tits on the peanuts polished off the final crumb. The jackdaws on the fat boss ate their fill. The spiugs and doos were satisfied, they'd eaten of the breed. And all oh, the seeds but little did remain. While up there on the bird bath, Mr. Chaffee paid me heed. He fussed at his reflection, proud and vain. Don't you think? I'm just for jink. I am the brawest, bonniest bird to ever step it for a drink. The grace and style would make you smile. I'm going to stop here and admire it for a while. We chaffy's chicks were starving and they couldn't wait. Said, ma'am, your feather Disney half exasperate. If I wanted in well. I'd best do it myself And caring for my wains It matters more than looking swell So he's for jink And in the pink He wouldn't feel so blinking fancy In a while I didn't think Sure it's a treat To look so neat I hope it helps you when there's nothing left to eat Fox and Todd. 
A day doon by the bonny tweed, a tod was hung out, sniffin' roon. He was nae feelin' aff a geed, his heart was sair, his tum was toon. He hadn't had a bite since supper, man, but he could use a feed. Wee a feastin', good and proper, he fair thought he'd soon be deed. When a sudden, there he seen a bonny crater slinkin' past. That lad he thought could be my freen if he could help me brack my fast. The beast had fur the reed o' autumn, painted lugs and skinklin' in. Todd dashed o'er and quickly caught him. Here, said he, I've never seen a beast like you, say sleek and bonny. In fact, you look a bit like me. We could be twins. Come on now, gonny tell me what your name might be. Of course, the beast replied politely, I am a fox, both spry and wise. To meet another just as sprightly is a wonderful surprise. A fox, cried Todd. What unca beast's gang slinkin' roon about this eart? But here, I'm hunting for a feast. I'm thinking you could play a part. What splendid luck, said Fox, delighted. That's just what I've set out to do. What food I find, you are invited. We'll dine together, me and you. The twee got spraffin, baith agreein' twa heeds micht fin mair nor yin. When Todd cried out, What's that I'm seein'? A puddock, let the hunt begin. And sure enough, a wee green chappy loupit through the moss and bog. But Fox cried, Wait, Todd was nae happy, that's not a puddock, it's a frog. Awa, said Todd, dumbfoonert greatly, that beast's a puddock plain as day. A frog, said Fox, quite obstinately. Meanwhile, the puddock got away. That's doon to you, you glaikit numpty. Todd thought he could almost greet. I'm starving here, my belly's empty. Now finish something we can eat. As Foxy growled, a wee bit angry, a fat wood pigeon did alight. Come on, said Fox, we both are hungry. A pigeon makes a tasty bite. You sneak behind him, that's your mission. I'll grab him when he flees from you. But Todd, confused, could barely listen. A pigeon? Yon's a cushy do. A cushy what? was Fox's answer. Nonsense, pigeon. Now come on, and hurry, or we'll miss our chance here. But hour late, the do was gone. Ah, oh, michty me, the Todd lamented. That's two good meals we've let awa. This hunger's driving me demented. Say far you've been nae help at all. But here, he cried, as on they done it, passing through a farmer's field. Thon Hoggy's lost. It's fair for one it. That could mak a toothsome meal. We'd eat for days gin we could tack it. I'm fair ready, so I am. But Fox just laughed and off he racket. Why, that's no Hoggy. That's a lamb. Honestly, the way you talk, do you invent it just for fun? Todd gulped, then shook his head in shock. He'd spied a farmer with his gun. Here, you. Come on, Here. cried Todd, completely it. Never mind the beastie's name. I tell you, if we didn't leg it, that lad'll shoot us just the same. I'm gonna get you. Wait here. He fled without a moment's waiting, juking gates and loping dikes, and hid with heartbeats palpitating in a hedge o' jaggy spikes. And oh, what luck! The hedge was bursting, full o' berries glossy black, the thing for which they'd both been thirsting, a satisfying tasty snack. Yes, cried Todd, at last we're winning. I'll eat these brambles by the bunch. I'd say blackberries, 
Fox said, grinning. But what the heck? Let's call them lunch. Tabby Twappens. Once upon a time, there was a stray kitten called Tabby. We was all in and had nae home to bide in. She was awfully shy and fear to the muckle human she saw around her. You see, Tabby was a dainty wee hing, and her fur was grey and black, the same colours of the streets and buildings around her. This made her invisible to the big people walking by. Poor Tabby. She often had to jump out the way of folk's feet. It was nae wonder she was a bit fear to the big folk. There was one thing that was muckle about Tabby, though, and that was her appetite for sweet treats. Tabby bided in a close in the big city. In the close, there were a few doors, and one of them belonged to a baker's shop. Every morning, Tabby would be sleeping by the back door, and before she opened her in, she would sniff the air and smile in her dreams. She would smell the delicious steaming hot pies and cakes baking and cooling behind the door. The smell would fill up her wee nose and it would waken her up. And cos Tabby was awfully wee and no very brickly coloured, she was able to sneak it in when the door opened. She would slink about, jouking in about the trays and cupboards, pick her moment and swipe what treats she could carry out. The steaming pies full of mutton were always too hot to grab, so she would aim for the cooler pastries and cakes instead. Tabby would tuck them back to her wee hidey place in the close and store them to eat for the rest of the day. As time passed by, Tabby grew bigger and sometimes the baker would see her when she tried to sneak it in. And he would wave his rolling pin at her and shout at her, Get it! Get it! And he'd chase her out the door all angry-like. She was awfully fear to the baker man, and these weren't the good days for wee Tabby, and she would often gone hungry and have to look in the smelly bins. Cold chips and stale sandwiches were naked. No when you were used with warm Danish pastries and fresh cream donuts to munch. Tabby would often dream about having a home where a nice human would feed her cream cakes. Then one day, the baker's shop shut and never opened again. Poor Tabby, how would she ever get a chance to grab her favourite treats again? Oh, she was awfully downhearted and awfully hungry when she decided to be brave and venture out the close to see if she could find another baker's shop. Tabby's belly rummelt and grummelt as she craved for sweet cakes and pastries. She would dream about it every night. She had tried hunting mice and rottens, but they were way too smart to be caught by her. Tabby won it for days, eating out of bins and trying to find a new baker's shop to stay close by to. Eventually, she found herself out just outside the city among the houses. It was here her wee nose sniffed the air and she caught the smell of something. Something, Gate! Something sweet! She followed the trail and found herself under an open windy. What could she smell? It was a freshly baked cake 
and it was sitting just inside the windy sill. Tabby took a deep breath, hunkered down, then looked up and clambered inside the windy. And there it was, a big green cake with a red ribbon round it, curly pink icing on the top. She minded on that this was what the baker called a birthday cake. And Tabby was fair hungry. She was slavering at mouth and thinking of how good it would be to lick the icing and tuck a big bite of the cake. Oh, she just had to hear a bit. So she looked around to see if there was only big humans about and then she saw something else. There on the table next to the birthday cake was a bowl full of custard and jelly and cream and on the top was a big red cherry. A trifle! Och, this was Tabby's idea of heaven! Birthday cake and trifle! Yes! She looked for the bowl to the cake, the cake to the bowl. Her hungry belly rummelled and burbled. She hunkered down and then looked face first into the cake, licking the ice in and biting at the soft layers of cake and creamy jam inside. Tabby purred with joy at the sweet flavours and the satisfying fullness growing in her hungry belly. When she'd had enough cake, she licked her paws and stared lovingly at the bowl a trifle. Licking her lips, she hunkered down, then looped head first into the bowl a trifle. She stuck her head right into the trifle and gulped down what she could. The flavours of the cream, the custard, the jelly made her purr with delight. Oh, she didn't care that the foreign whiskers on her face were getting clabbered with jelly, cream and custard. No way. She was too busy in this rapturous moment to tuck notice of anything around her. Because what happened next was a wee lassie walked into the room. The lassie, very gently, reached out to hold Tabby by the middle and she pulled her ever so slowly and carefully out of the bowl of trifle. Tabby didn't mind or try to get away. She was far too contented to care. Tabby purred to herself and licked the cream off her wee nose. The wee lassie turned Tabby round to get a good look at the strange cat that she just pulled out the trifle. Between the cat's lugs, a cherry was stuck on top of a dollop of cream and there was jelly stuck to her whiskers. And the lassie laughed and hugged Tabby close. <laughs> just then the lassie's mother walked in and gasped, What a moger! The birthday cake was in ruins and the trifle was just a guddle. Tabby purred happily next to the wee lassie's lug and the wee lassie squealed happily to her mammy. Oh, mammy, I wanted a cat for my birthday. Thanks, mammy. She's so cute. Tabby just kept purring and licking her lips. She didn't feel fear to these humans at all. The lassie's mother looked at Tabby's contented face and could see that she must be astray. So she sighed and smiled and tickled Tabby under her sticky chin. Then she says, Well, this cat looks like she needs a hame. Let's keep her and let's call her Tabby Twa Puddins.
You've been listening to Our Wee Podcast with Susie Briggs and Alan McClure. All stories, songs and adaptations are by Susie and Alan. And Alan also does the music and production. If you've enjoyed this episode, folks, we'd really love it if you'd let your pals ken and spread the word a wee bit. It's your support that keeps us gan. All the best, folks, and we'll see you next time. Cheerio!